This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Broadcasting system is the All Sports Cable Network's Sports Central. This is It Was a Thing on TV. I give you Super Train. Episode 345, Submission 704. Good Sports, Good Sports, aired on CBS from January 10th to July 13th, 1991, for a total of 15 episodes. And now here's the Al Green theme song full of sexiness. Uh Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say it right now. That theme song is a bop. Oh, it's a banger. It is a banger. As the kids would say, that theme song slaps. You know what else slaps? What? Working with your ex. Oh, yes. It always sucks when you work with your ex-girlfriend. It does. Although, from what I understand, Farrah Fawcett and Ryan O'Neal, and my sister's here, so she can back me up. Farrah Fawcett and Ryan O'Neal, they were married, right? They were married, and they got divorced, but they still remained good friends. They were still cordial, right? That's good. Yeah, so you would imagine that the comedy and the chemistry would be there for this show, especially given all of the talented minds who were behind it. I mean, it was created by a genius in the field, Alan Zweibel. I believe we all remember him working with uh, Gary Shandling on its, its Gary Shandling show. Oh, yeah. Best theme song ever. I can't argue with this. So you have him, and then it's produced by the brilliant minds of Brad Gray and Bernie Brillstein, who are just absolute tops in their field. So you're thinking, okay, this can't go wrong, all right? This can't go wrong. 
And, well, unfortunately, this didn't last. Yeah. We'll get into why in a moment. Yes. But first, let's get into who. We already mentioned Farrah Fawcett and Ryan O'Neill. Or, I guess, if we're going by the credits, it would be Farrah Fawcett versus Ryan O'Neill. That's the best! It's not Farrah Fawcett and Ryan O'Neill. It's Farrah Fawcett versus Ryan O'Neill. Yeah, because it's like each episode was billed as like a battle of wits almost. Like, who's going to end up on top? We have Farrah Fawcett, who is the seasoned veteran war tanker. And then we got Ryan O'Neill, who's the dumb jock turned sportscaster. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the seasoned veteran, Gail Roberts, a former Miss America who went to college with the former jock turned ex-con, Bobby Tannen, played by Ryan O'Neill. And all of this is fleshed out in the pilot. They did go to school together. They met at a party, but Bobby doesn't remember Gail. Yes, so they had sex, but he does not remember ever having sex with her, which is embarrassing. For a but, number okay. of reasons. For a number of reasons. But okay, the circumstances as to... Hold on, Mike's got a question. Okay, do you think Wilt Chamberlain remembered every single of the 20,000 women he banged? Maybe he has Marilou Henner's memory, Mike. Maybe he's got a diary. Who knows? Maybe he was going by uh, MC Hammer's uh, impersonation of him on Saturday Night Live. What? MC Hammer played an impersonation of Wilt Chamberlain recalling all of the people he banged. <laughs> That's the uh, ending, if I can find it, right there. That is, I wish I was kidding. It. I, I, I'm just putting it right out there, and this is not going to be edited out. If I can find it, that's your ending. There you go, folks. Stick around. You know what my reaction was to that, Chico? What is it? Oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, And you see, it's funny because that was done by Ryan O'Neill. You know what my reaction was? Wilt Chamberlain, he was too legit to quit. Good night, everybody. Too legit. Too legit to quit. <laughs> so, yeah, what were we talking about? Okay. Now, Chico, can you explain the circumstances to how Ryan O'Neill gets on this? sports show okay in the first episode which this set is from we have gail who is anchoring a sports center like show called sports central with a person by the name of Stu ramsey if i'm not mistaken yes Stu ramsey who by the way is played by arthur burkhart 
they were doing a sort of stump stew segment. In fact, that's the name of the segment. It's stump stew, where a person watching the show would mail in a letter to see if they could stump stew. That's right. This was in the days when you'd have to mail, actually send something in the mail to somebody. Yes, and hopes kids, it would be read. Kids, ask your parents about interacting with your favorite shows via snail mail. But okay, the question I believe is, who had the most pinch hit home runs? And Stu is like, oh my god, I can't get this right. Oh, oh. It's like, oh, I can't, oh, oh. I can't. Stu. Stu. And then, uh, I think this question actually drove him to a stroke, because he drops dead right there. <laughs> and at the funeral, we meet Bobby Tannen, who crashes the funeral, and asks R.J. Rappaport, who is a billionaire, for a job. Yeah, he's the guy that runs the whole operation. He's like the Ted Turner of this universe. Yes, Ted Turner if he was played by the guy who played Perry White in Lois and Clark. Uh, excuse me, hold on. You mean the guy who played Coach Jack Riley, the biggest jackass in Minnesota Wee hockey in the Mighty Ducks? Oh, and by the way, no coincidence, look what I'm wearing right now. I, I see what you're wearing right now, and frankly, it is it is very nice. It is a District 5 Ducks hockey shirt that they got on Public for like 13 bucks. That shirt is a real game changer. Yeah. By the way, R.J. Rapport played by Lane Smith, obviously. Yes, because obviously it's Lane Smith. And it's time, once again, to play Is This Typecasting? Yes. This has been... Is this typecasting? Also in the cast, we have Brian Doyle Murray, who plays John Mack McKinney, and of course, Brian Doyle Murray, brother of Bill Murray. Well, also, now come on, we gotta say more than that. He was the boss in Christmas Vacation. He was the boss in Christmas Vacation, yes. He gave Clark that Membership to the Jelly of the Month Club. Mm-hmm. The gift that keeps on giving the whole year. But we did talk about him get a life. Yes, we did. <laughs> okay. And also, working with uh, Gail and Bobby, Clevet Derricks, who, of course, you would remember as Rembrandt Crying Man Brown on all 87 episodes of one of my favorite underrated gems, Sliders. Yeah, I like to pretend that everything after Fox doesn't exist in my mind. You do not acknowledge the sci-fi run, then. Yes, I don't acknowledge that. That never happened in my mind. Didn't happen. No. But check out the name of his character, Greg. Oh, yes! His character name is Jeff Musburger. If I may steal a line from you, Chico, Does this look like anything? 
that's basically a shot across the bow at CBS at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I think that's a shot at Brent because he got fired the year before. Yeah, and Cleavon Derricks, who was expected to take Stu Ramsey's uh, position, kind of sort of gets fired and rehired at the same time. Oh, yeah, because one thing you have to understand about R.J. Rappaport is he's like Steinbrenner. That's not a clue of what happens later, but it's totally a clue to what happens later. But the thing about R.J. Rappaport is he hires and fires everybody. Yes. Yeah, that's a Steinbrenner right there. I'm playing the role of Missy Van Johnson, who works the newsroom at RSCN. That's the name of the network, isn't it? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it's Christine Dunford, who was in future entry Cowboy Bebop. Hey, she was on two episodes of Seinfeld. Oh, that's terrific. What Which episode? two? Which two? Which two? Uh, she was on The Baby Shower. Oh, The Baby Shower. And the pie. The pie! Yeah. I could use some pie right now. Mm. Pie. And then we have a character named Leash, played by veritable legend here, Paul Feig. That's right, the most famous contestant that ever came out of Pyramid, am I right? Uh, I... Yeah, I was I was gonna make a case for Cassie and Jimmy, but yes, you are correct. Or Constance McCashin. You could have said Constance McCashin, but those are the top three: Paul Feig, Cassie and Jimmy, Constance McCashin. Total disrespect to David Grow. <laughs> I'm not wrong. Total disrespect to David Grow, right there. And, and he's. Oh, and, wait, wait. And you guys are disrespecting somebody from the legendary Police Academy franchise? That's unlike you two. Okay, from the celebrity wing, yes. But I mean, as far as, like, straight-up contestant. He was a contestant! Oh, he was? I didn't realize this. I, I thought okay. you were talking about being a contestant because that's who I remember him. He was okay. a contestant. Okay, well, if he was a contestant, that changes the game. Yes, okay. Number one. Prove my point. Okay. There you go. Yeah. All right. P P Police Academy rules around here. Yes. And we have a person who only appeared in the pilot, but was credited in the pilot. Playing the role of Mrs. Tannen. Yes. Bobby's mama. That's right. Bobby has a mama's voice. Lois Smith, who was in one episode of the recently canceled Gossip Girl reboot. Oh. Gossip Girl reboot. Oh. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it either. But she was in four episodes as Adele Stackhouse, Sookie's mama, on True Blood. Oh, so that means she was friggin' what's her face? She uh, was Anna, Anna Paquin's mama. Pa yeah, that's right. She was Anna Paquin's mama. And you know the one reason why you watched Drew Blood was, and I won't say no more. It's a show on HBO. Take a guess. Take a guess. What the hell is that? That's Nugenics. We have all of these good sports together making a show within a show. Yes. 
a has-been former player for the Green Bay Packers. And, hold on, he was also on the Jets Super Bowl team. They established this in the pilot, too. Okay, so he was apparently traded from the, the Jets. Jets to the Packers. And then later on, hold on a second, because he writes a tell-all book about his time with the Raiders. Okay, you ready for what the title of his book was about his tell-all book with the Raiders? I'm ready for this. Okay, Mike, are you ready for this? Oh, I can't wait to hear this. It's called Panty Raiders. Oh, boy. And do you know who takes giant issue with this in the pilot episode about Poppy Tannen's book, Panty Raiders? Who? Somebody we talked about back in episode 89, Lyle Alzado. And all of this is fleshed out in the pilot. That's right. Also in the pilot, playing themselves, Fred Travelina. That's right, because as we established, Mr. Rappaport, he's the Ted Turner of this universe. So his studio has, like, everything. There's, like, a religious channel. There's, like, a comedy channel. You know what the name of the comedy channel is? What is it, Chico? I can't believe I'm about to say this. <laughs> Rap ha port. <laughs> Jeez. Rap ha port. Points for creativity, man. <laughs> and there's Fred Javelina doing a stand up set just randomly in the background. <laughs> but okay, also playing himself, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. And as we're recording this right now, LeBron James is close to breaking his NBA all-time scoring record. 158 points away. Yes. Their first assignment together was Gail interviewing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with prepared questions and Bobby pretty much half-assing it as he goes. Yes, pretty much. Just half-assing it. But okay, hold on a second. Playing Gail's boyfriend, Nick Calder. He's going to be very important later on this series, okay? Okay. Believe it or not, it's William Cat. You can't hear it right now, but I'm shaking my head. I know your reaction was when I said, believe it or not, your reaction was probably, who could it be? Well, believe it or not, it's William Cat. Still shaking my head. Greg, my first thought after you said, believe it or not, I thought you were going to say that Jack Palance was somehow in this show. Oh, that would have been terrific. That would have made 1991 even more his year with City Slickers. And that. Oh, yeah, that, that was his year, yeah. And that cologne commercial. By Menon. <laughs> That's our callback anytime we talk about Jack Palance, apparently. Oh, but yes. And, uh, of course, we mentioned uh, Arthur Burkhardt as Stu Ramsey, known mostly for playing voices on G.I. Joe and the Transformers, the movie. He was Devastator. Ooh, Devastator. And one more name in that pilot episode? Playing Nina Logan? Molly Cheek. And we referred to this show earlier when we were talking about Ellen's Weibel. She was on It's Gary Shandling Show. She was Nancy. That's right. Yep. She was like half the reason why I watched It's Gary Shandling Show back in the day. What? She was funny and she was cute. 
Yeah. Chico, I'm sorry. I watched it's Gary Shandling show in part because Scott Nemus, because he was the dorky teenager, a very relatable character at that time of my life. Did you ever want to play a violent game of darts? Every single day. Nice. All right. Episode two. Gail wouldn't do that. No, she wouldn't do that. She wouldn't have a fling with Bobby Tannen with, uh, in college. Oh, hold on a second. One thing I forgot to mention in the pilot episode. Now, we find out that Gail's last name on the show, Gail Roberts, is not actually her real last name. Do you want to know what her real last name is? Yes, I do. Okay. Her real last name is Gordon. Her real name is Gail Gordon. Get it? I get it. I, I It works on two levels. One, obviously. And two, how many journalists do you know have a stage name, a nom de guerre, if you will? How many Kenny Brockelsteins do you know who became Kent Brockman, if you will? Thanks, Dusty. All right, episode two. Episode two. Gail wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bobby tells Rappaport about his fling with Gail 20 years before and sued everybody in the whole office knows. Everybody in the whole office knows they they effed in college. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it. Gail Roberts. Oh yeah, you're doing the She-Hulk after the movie. <laughs> Terrific. Oh, you know who plays himself in this episode, doing a stand-up set on Rap Hop Wart? Richard Belzer. So does this mean that Good Sports is part of the John Munch cinematic universe? Why, yes, yes it is. Yes, before Richard Belzer was a serious, dramatic actor, he was a comedian just trying to get by. No, he wasn't just trying to get by. He was a good comedian back oh, in the day. Oh, yeah, he had his own uh, talk yeah. show on a Lifetime, if you remember, back in the day. Oh, by the way, have you ever seen the famous incident with Hulk Hogan on his talk show before WrestleMania? No, I have not. Okay, well, let me explain this to you. So Hulk Hogan has Richard Belzer in a headlock. And I think it literally cuts the flow of oxygen from his brain. And he shoot hits his head on the freaking stage. And he actually, like, sued the Hulkster and won a lot of money. Ooh. Yeah. Like, his head, like, you could see it. Like, his head was, like, busted open. It was like, ugh. Front face lock by the Hulkster. What a punishing hole this is. Absolutely. Ask Richard Belzer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Episode three is titled Moving In. New tenant Bobby accidentally burns down Gail's building. Uh-oh. 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 Okay, I should establish that in this episode, Bobby buys a property that's next to Gail's house, which 
it's like, oh my god, why would you want to live next door, literally next door, to your ex-girlfriend slash broadcast partner? But okay, here's a hilarity ensues moment. Bobby accidentally burns his in her house. Oh no! <laughs> That's horrible! Yes! And one notable guest star in episode 3 is former Washington quarterback Doug Williams, who of course was the MVP of Super Bowl 22 and the first African-American quarterback to win a Super Bowl. They're bringing out all the big names. Yeah. Episode 4. The bigger they are, the harder they hit. Gale wants to tackle football's Jim Brown after he runs through Missy during an interview. Ouch. Obviously, Jim Brown's in this episode. Oh, yes. But we find out something about Jim Brown. He used to play the harp. And it's like, the whole thing is like, nothing will penetrate Jim Brown. And Gail tells a story. He, he finds out, you were just a kid, and you wanted to play the harp. And it's like, oh, yeah, his persona as an athlete, as a macho man. No, he's just a big softy who just wanted to play the harp. <laughs> and in the end, he's playing the harp, Jim Brown. Well, Jim Brown, he could do anything. I mean, we know his football success, but also he was an All-American at Syracuse back in the 50s in lacrosse. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. don't doubt Jim Brown's ability at anything. He could probably do whatever he wants. Yep. And uh, also mentioned on TV Guide, where we're getting all the uh, episode capsules from, playing themselves, Caitlyn Jenner. Yes. Obviously, back when she was Bruce. Yes. Episode 5. John McKinney is a no-yes man. Mr. Rappaport cans Bobby and Gale after they each conflict. With George Steinbrenner. So yes, folks, playing himself in this episode, the boss, George Steinbrenner. Wow. R.J. Rappaport and George Steinbrenner in the same building. The building would just blow up with all of the ego, you know? Yes. So yeah, this is when <laughs> Rappaport is like nuts, and he's just... Being like Steinbrenner, he's hiring and firing everybody. He's like, you're hired. Now you're fired. You're hired. And he's just gone completely nuts. But I should note, this was during the period when George was suspended from baseball for a couple of years for the whole thing with Dave Winfield, if you remember. I do remember. Yeah, because I think, didn't he, like, pay a gambler to dig up dirt on Dave Winfield? I believe that is how the story goes. In fact, uh, January 1990, according to uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks fan site at SB Nation, Yankees owner George Steinbrenner paid $40,000 to former gambler Howard Farah for dirt on Winfield and the Winfield Foundation. Farah had been an unpaid publicist for the foundation the previous decade. However, he had now got himself into a large hole, owing a total of 100000 to various bookies with mob connections. 
On hearing the latest Winfield lawsuit, he approached Steinbrenner and said he could provide proof that Winfield had been squandering his foundation's money on trysts with girlfriends. Steinbrenner refused to pay more and got Spira charged with extortion, allegedly using his connections in the Tampa FBI office. While admitting the 40000 his explanations for the payment proved volatile, initially claiming that he paid Spira out of the goodness of Jeez, oh, he then went on to say Spyro threatened his family or hinted he would tell the press about Lou Pinella's gambling habit. Regardless of the cause, it was pretty clear contravention of baseball's biggest no-no, don't associate with gamblers, and so Commissioner Faye Vincent took an interest. An interest? An interest. Okay. In July 30th, 1990, Vincent Bands, the man who had just been labeled the most hated man in baseball on the cover of Newsweek for the game for life. The weird thing, it was Steinbrenner who requested the ban instead of the two-year suspension originally suggested by Vincent. At the time, George thought a suspension would mean he would lose his position as vice president of the United States Olympic Committee, at the time, Steinbrenner was tired of the game, but, as so often, changed his mind and Vincent relented and revoked the lifetime ban. Shortly after, two years had passed. And the rest is history. Yep. Stick Michael drafted some guys, like, some guys named Derek Jeter and uh, signed some guys named Mariano Rivera and Jorge Posada, and you know the rest. Episode six. Wait, there wait, were... wait, wait. God, we're not going to add trading for Paul O'Neill to that list. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he traded for Paul O'Neill too. I forgot about Paul O'Neill. Oh, that was a master move right there. Oh, I think it was Roberto Kelly. He traded him for. Remember, he was really good for like uh, a week or two in like 1989 or 1990. Yeah, yeah, that didn't work out too well. No. Didn't work out well for the Reds. Well, it didn't work out for the Reds. It worked out perfectly for the Yankees, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he just got his number retired, too, last year, Paul O'Neill. Mr. O'Neill? Yeah. Yeah, uh, look, uh, you don't know me. Well, I, I can give you an autograph there, but uh, my pen's kind of screwed up, and you probably only get, like, half a P or something. No, no, it's not that. See, uh, it's about a little boy in the hospital. I was wondering if you could do something to lift his spirits. Sure, I can help you there. Yeah, yeah. well, I promised him that you would hit him two home runs today. See what? <laughs> yeah, you know, a couple of dingers. You promised a kid in, in the hospital that I'd hit two home runs. Yeah, well, no good? No, it's no good. It's terrible. I mean, you just you don't hit home runs like that. It's hard to hit home runs, and where the heck did you get two from? Well, two is better than one. You just, you just, that's ridiculous. Oh, I, I mean, I'm not a home run hitter. Well, Babe Ruth did it. He did not. Oh, you're saying that Babe Ruth was a liar? I'm not calling him a liar, but he wasn't stupid enough to promise two. Well, maybe I did overextend myself. How the heck did you get in here anyway? <laughs> he deserves it. Yeah. Everybody's a winner on this one. Except for the Reds. Episode 6, the reviews are in. After Bobby's commentary makes him look like a buffoon. Oh, wait, Bobby making commentary that makes him look like a buffoon? That's not unlike Bobby. McKinney offers him some pointers. Playing himself in this episode, Vlade Divac. Put some respect on that name. 
basketball hall of famer vlade divas that's right because yeah he would be with the lakers at this time his second year i think yep play with ac green and everything well you know what ac green was most famous for Oh no, Greg! Oh no, 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 no! no I'm not no, gonna no, say, but no, no, you all no. know. You all know what he's most famous for, and if you don't know what he's most famous for, look it up. I'll just say he was like the opposite of Wilt Chamberlain. Well, I'm not wrong. No, I didn't argue that you were wrong. No, A.C. Green is known for his uh, uh, three championships. He had three championships. <laughs> yes, yes, Chico. Sure, we'll we'll go we'll go that route, Chico. That's fine. His three championships. Is that how we're referring to it as his three championship rings? Because he has more than that than the other. If you know what I mean. Okay, episode seven. A kiss is just a kiss. A case of Bobby on the brain makes Gail's work suffer. So Rappaport pulls her off the show. But oh, oh no. Oh no, guys. Playing, playing herself. Speaking of the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, more shot. Well, if we want to take a positive out of this oh yeah the reds had just won the world series the year before. that's the positive that's the only positive i can put on this the reds did win the world series in 1990 yes and that's the only thing positive we'll say about more shot can we talk about her dog taking a crap on the field though <laughs> yes we can yes, we can, totally yes, we can. let's let's talk more about that Shotzi laying a deuce right on the field during batting practice. At Riverfront Stadium. At Riverfront Stadium, yes. Oh, jeez. But okay. This show, after this episode, was unfortunately placed on hiatus. And do you know when they brought it back, guys? I'm guessing sometime when the season was over. Yes! They brought it right back on May 27th. Yeah, that just doesn't scream, yeah, let's burn the rest of this off, doesn't it? We'll get to the rest of the episodes in a bit. But first, let's listen to these 1991-era commercials. We'll be right back. Good Sports. Sponsored by CoverGirl Cosmetics. CoverGirl. Redefining beautiful. Uncontrollable. Unstoppable. Inescapable. The ultimate weapon is about to meet its match. Jim, you're about to be brought in on this country's best kept secret. She's activated. Dear God. What do you mean she's activated? Gregory Hines. Destruction, rated R. Starts Friday, January 18th at theaters everywhere. With the wedding off. Oh, you're not getting married? Maybe it's for the best. Has Sumner found a new friend? Linda, right? On Notch Landing, next. On January 27th, witness the most amazing performance in football history. 
one superstar will suit up and play his heart out. The legendary Ray Charles. You got the right one, baby. Tune in and pay attention to which team I'm playing for and get a chance to become one of three millionaires. You got the right one, baby. How many times have you gone to a sale and said to yourself, you kidding me, this is all that's on sale? Well, get a load of the National Home Appliance Sale at Sears Brand Central, America's largest appliance sale with virtually every major brand on sale. GE, Whirlpool, Kenmore. Hey, get this Kenmore 10-cycle washer with America's largest usable capacity and 8-cycle Kenmore dryer and save 104 big ones on the pair. Right now at Sears Brand Central. But uh, hurry, before we get cleaned out. Invincible, don't tell that to the skins. The wild card winning Redskins, the two-time defending champion 49ers. Happy Tuesdays, everything Saturday. Welcome back. Now let's continue. Episode 8, a book is just a book. Frantic over having spent a $50,000 advance with no book to show for it. Bobby decides to write poetry to fulfill his contract. Yeah, because Bobby has to write a sequel to his Panty Raiders book. But he decides, you know what? I have to fulfill this contract. I got to fulfill this contract. So you know what? He decides after talking to Cal, I'm going to write a book of poetry. And Yaya says, go right on ahead. His poetry just sucks. It is the worst poetry you've ever heard in your life. I don't know. I've heard J.J. Reddick's poetry. Yeah, you're just saying that because he went to the other school. No, no. I'm saying that because I actually have a sample of his poetry. Well, um, trust me, <laughs> Bobby's poetry is worse than that. He looks like Langston Hughes compared to Bobby Tannen. Whoa! I said it. You said what you said, and you said it with the whole chest. Yes, I did. Now, episode nine. Now, this directly followed episode eight, because when they brought it back for the summer, they had episodes eight and nine run back to back. So here's episode nine. The Cincinnati Kids. And Mike, you have the description for that episode? Bobby proposes to Gail during an interview with Pete Rose. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Talk about one gamble that didn't pay off. <laughs> Hold on. Emilio, Charlie, do you have anything to say? Golf clap? Golf clap. And also, remember, this is about two years after A. Bart Giamatti banned Pete Rose for life because cause he gambled. Yeah, he did. And also, as I told Greg and Chico a number of weeks ago, Pete Rose placed one of the first legal bets, if not the first legal bet, on sports in the state of Ohio on the first of the year this year. And what did he bet it on? He bet it on the Cincinnati Reds winning the World Series this year. Hey, are the Cincinnati Reds in any condition to win the World Series this year? But if they are... That's going to be one nice payout. But also at the same time, now, admittedly, 
this other person's a little bit different than Pete Rose, but around the same time, Bernie Kosar put a bet on the Browns to beat the Steelers in week 18 this year. Well, he bet $19,000 because he wore number 19. Not only did he lose the $19,000 because the Browns lost that game, but he also lost his job. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, there's some sort of rule saying that if you work for an NFL franchise, you can't bet, especially on the team. Oh, yeah, because that happened to Miles Austin. He lost his coaching job with the Jets. If I'm not mistaken, isn't Bernie Kosar just uh, part of the broadcast team with the Browns? But he's employed by the Browns. Ah, there's the rub. Yeah, because he does do broadcasts, but he is under the employ of the Browns, not the TV station. Well, that certainly sucks. But you know what? I don't understand. The NFL's like, hey, we can totally take all this gambling money from DraftKings, but don't you dare effing bet. I'll tell you what. They wish they were Mattress Mac betting all that money on the Astros last October. Didn't Mattress Mac also place a bet on the Cowboys? Yes, he did, and he lost a lot of money. So he. So there you go. He may have drawn up that last play with Ezekiel Elliott as the center. Yes. Episode 10. Electricity. Gail's spirits are shut down when she learns that her boyfriend, who you remember was played by William Catt, is seeing someone else. While Bobby needs some fast cash to get his electricity turned back on. But okay, this is the hilarious part, okay? You ready for this? So, Gail finds out that her boyfriend was seeing someone else because they show on the broadcast a picture of James Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson. And who's in the front row at the Tokyo Dome watching this? Gail's boyfriend with another woman. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This picture was seen on multiple wire services across the country of William Cat watching. James Buster Douglas knocked the F out of Mike Tyson. I think it's time for the other Susan now. Oh my good goodness gracious! Of all the dramatic things I've ever seen. Episode 11. The Moody Blue Swing. Gail and Bobby must take her ailing goldfish to the doctor and catch up on old times. Okay, so I did establish this. In, like, one of the early episodes, okay, Bobby gives Gale one of his goldfish because he has two goldfish that are brothers. And do you want to know what the goldfish are named? The goldfish are named Frankie and Valley. The thing you have to understand about Gale's boyfriend is he's a psycho-environmentalist. He is a psycho environmentalist. You think that environmentalists are insufferable now? In 1991, he was the most insufferable environmentalist around. So, like, I guess he changed the water in the goldfish ball. And, like, the goldfish got sick. So they have to, like, take it to a vet to make sure it's all right. Meanwhile, Bobby's being seduced by this woman named Randy. Who desperately wants to go all the way with him in the shower, if you know what I mean. 
Oh, man, is she a Jersey chaser? Something like that. But you know who plays this woman who wants to get it on with Bobby? I do. Who is it, Chica? Joan Severance. Yes. And you know what Joan Severance's most notable role was to me? Uh, The Black Scorpion? No. Oh. She was the love interest to the Hulkster brother in No Holds Bored. Oh, to you. Okay. Oh, to me. That means we have to put in... Are you trying to tell me my money's not good enough for you? I find that a little hard to swallow, you jockass! Thank you, Kurt. Yeah, because she was in both Black Scorpion movies as the Black Scorpion. This was before sci-fi options, the franchise for a TV series played by somebody else. But not that Black Scorpion who was played by Ric Flair in WCW to mess with Sting. No, not that one. The other one. The other one. Oh, episode 12! Oh my god, I'm working with this title! (laughs) Okay. Alright, let me read it out loud. Love means never having to say you're happy. Get it? For the uninitiated, Ryan O'Neill was in Love Story. With Gail and Nick's relationship down for the count, Bobby hopes to replace him in the ring with help from George Foreman. This is where, like, Nick is getting completely psycho with Gail, and it's like, it turns into, like, this dramatic movie of the week-ish during the middle of this sitcom episode. And Gail just punches the out of him. (laughs) And I'm like, good. Take that, William Cat. But we'll find out more about that two episodes from now. Episode 13. Oh, Bobby and Gail go on a date. Gail decides to date Bobby after her father, played by Howard Keel, bestows his blessing. Now, Chico, do you have any information about Howard Keel? I do have information about Howard Keel, actually. He was best known for playing Adam in the 1954 original Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. But perhaps even better known than that, he was on 265 episodes of Dallas. Dallas. Playing Clayton Farlow. Yes. Playing himself in this episode. And this was a big year for him. Terry Pendleton. Never thought we'd get a Terry Pendleton reference on this podcast, would you? Yeah. Well, remember, he had just signed to Atlanta because he had a terrible, it's mentioned in the episode, he had a terrible 1990 with St. Louis where he batted like 230. And then he gets to Atlanta, he wins an MVP, and gets Atlanta to the series against Minnesota. And he's like a staple there for the next decade. Oh, I remember TBS Sports back in the day when they showed primarily Braves games. Oh, they were fawning over him so much. Big time homerism. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, when you have Skip Carey there, of course, biggest freaking homer at the time. Oh, but either way. This is CNN Breaking News. Yeah, did you hear Chip Carey is now the lead announcer for the Cardinals? 
good. I mean, he's nowhere near his grandfather, Harry Carey. But he's sure as hell not Skip Carey. I don't know. Did you ever listen to Chip Carey when he was the lead announcer on TBS MLB from like the late 2000s? No, the last time I remember him was working for Fox in the 90s. Oh, just look up Tigers Twins AL tiebreaker. Oh god. I have a and feeling di- I'm going to re- I have a feeling I'm going to regret this, but I'm going to do this. And type in the words line drive base hit. Four times since 2002. Line drive base hit. Caught out there. Runner tags. Here he comes. Throw the plate. On target. And in time. A double play. Ends the 10th. There's so much wrong with that call. He called it a base hit when it clearly wasn't a base hit. And he said the throw was off target, which it clearly wasn't off target. But it was in time. And he's going to be calling plays for the St. Louis Cardinals. Boy, I'm going to have to listen to see how he butchers Lars Newtbar's name. <laughs> Lars Newtbar. Never thought you'd get a Lars Newtbar reference on this podcast, did you? Uh, and, nope. And Greg? Yeah? Because it's timely. Oh? Oh, yeah. Of course it's timely. I- I've been on the hunt for a box of Triple Threads baseball. Uh, because I wanted to use it uh, for my uh, financial literacy class. And I found one on Tuesday, and I bought it. And whose rookie card did I pull out autographed? Who? Lars Newtbar. Oh, awesome. There you go. That's going to be our weekly segment, Cards Without Context. Hey, you know, that's not a bad idea, because one of our followers on Twitter – is also a follower on my baseball card slash autograph uh, Twitter. Yeah. And I know he listens to the show. He loves the show. Me and him, well, we didn't do a trade. I sent him a card about two weeks ago just to yes. say, hey, thank you for for, for, uh, for subscribing to us on Twitter, and thank you for listening to the podcast. So, yeah, Julio, hey, buddy, hope you enjoy the card, and hope you enjoy the reference to the Lars Newbar card. And say hi to Keith for me. Having a cameo in this episode in a non-speaking role. Hey, Chico, it's the creator of the show. Alan Zwebel, yeah. Yes, he's next to uh, Bobby and Gail at the movie theater when they're watching a movie together. Here we go, episode 14. This is where it gets real. Okay, you ready? Episode 14, The Return of Nick. Oh, no, I know where this is going. Gale's emotionally wrecked ex might extinguish the flame of passion that's ignited between Gale and Bobby. And returning as himself is Richard Belzer. Now, guys, you see the background behind me in my Zoom background. Do you want to describe what this is behind me? It's a frightening clown. Oh, sorry, that's William Cat's face. That's William Cat doing his best impression of Malcolm McDowell in a Clockwork Orange. There is no context that can make that less scary. Oh, it is nightmare fuel. This is cringe. Is it just me, or do I see a little bit of Tom Baker in that photo? 
Oh, yeah. It's just you. I see more Colin Baker than anything else. Oh, I can see Colin Baker with the hair. But, yeah, I can definitely see a bit of Tom Baker. Hey, if ever they did an American version of Doctor Who, I could totally see William Cat playing the Doctor at this time in 91. I could totally see it. But, yeah, he, like, is an emotional wreck. He, like, has Gail and Bobby and Richard Belzer hostage because I guess Gail and Bobby are, like, guests on uh, this like, late-night movie show that Richard Belzer's hosting for the Comedy Channel. And he's got poor Lane Smith and Brian Doyle Murray all tied up. Damn it, William Cat! what are you doing? You can't do that to Bill Murray's brother and Perry White. You can't do that. I think he was sort of wrecked over the greatest American heroine backdoor pilot. Oh, yeah. We don't want to talk about the greatest American heroine. Not yet, at least. No. Oh, by the way, I forget what episode this was, but I forgot to mention, in, like, one of the episodes, Mr. Rappaport, he wants to compete with the Goodwill Games. And so he forms his own off-brand Goodwill Games. I believe it was episode 12. Yes. So it was the episode where love means never having to say you're happy. Yeah, he forms his own off-brand Goodwill. Games. Why would you have an Frank Goodwill games? Remember, this is supposed to be what happens when George Steinbrenner and Ted Turner have a child. Yeah. And now the final episode. A class act. Bobby prepares a segment about a former football phenom famous for never playing pro ball because of emergency surgery. Guys, we gotta talk about this guy's name. The uh, person who's the former football phenom, Andy Highgate. I'm not even joking about this name. Listen carefully. Think about it. Rain or shine. (laughs) Spelling it. R-A-Y-N-O-R. That's the first name. And then shine. S-C-H-E-I-N-E. Rain or shine. His parents had a really wacky sense of humor. Or it might be a gimmick name. I'm looking and uh, let me uh, see if if that's a a gimmick name. Uh, Yeah, it's a little bit of a gimmick because it says his alternate name is Raynard Johnson. So, uh, yeah, he was born as Raynard Johnson. But, yeah, he goes by Raynard Shine. Oh, and he was in My Cousin Vinny. Oh, you know who else was in My Cousin Vinny? Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn. But Lane Smith was also in My Cousin Vinny. I actually want to rewatch that. I saw it's coming up on one of the HBO channels this weekend. I'm just like on a Fred Gwynn high. I just love him as Herman Munster. And and obviously, if you've ever seen My Cousin Vinny, one of the best roles there. Talking about youths. Oh, Utes. Two Utes. But, you know, it was all about Marissa Tomei in that movie. Let's be honest. Oh, it was about Marissa Tomei, yes. There's a reason why she won the Oscar. But still, gotta give love to Fred Gwynn, especially since he died, like, a year after this. Yeah, poor Fred After my cousin Vinny. Yeah. We miss you, Fred. But that's the show. So the question now is... 
because obviously we have some comedic talent behind the show, and obviously we have comedic talent and chemistry between Ryan O'Neill and Farrah Fawcett. What happened? I had never seen this show. It's weird, because you'd think, because I picked this as an Election Day episode, you'd think, okay, Greg, you probably have seen this. Actually, no, I hadn't. I just remember hearing about this show back in the day. I thought, ah, this will be fun to put as the Election Day show. But I watched it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is like one of the most WTF shows that I've ever seen. I mean, it's it's a crazy-ass show. I did not expect this to be crazy. The leads have good chemistry because obviously they were married in real life at one time. But it's like, okay, you got a solid supporting cast. You got Lane Smith. You got Brian Doyle Murray. It's like you'd think on paper this would be a success. Maybe. It has all the earmarks of a success. In fact, Pace Magazine actually says one of the 23 best TV shows about sports. Which is not saying much. Yeah, I mean, this is the same list that has One Tree Hill. Go figure. Well, I think, as always, what we need to do is we need to play Let's Look at the Schedule. Greg, I'm sorry. Uh, I think I know why good sports did not uh, work out too well. Why is that? As we said earlier, good sports premiered on the 10th of January in uh, 1991. Yes. It aired 9.30 p.m. on CBS. I'm not worried about what aired on ABC, but on NBC, Greg, Yeah, it was up against Wings. That'll do it. Wings. Everybody loved Wings. Because as we all know, I love Wings. So, yes. of course, I wouldn't be watching good sports. I'd you be wouldn't watching be watching w- good wings. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be watching good sports. You'd be watching wings. Because I love wings. You would watch The Flash, which comes on before this. And then once The Flash was over, you'd hightail it back over to NBC for more wings. Yes, because it made Tony Shalhoub's career. Yes. But seriously, if you were going up against NBC and you were a freshman series, lots of luck to you. <laughs> I get it. Because we covered lots of luck last week. Second episode was January 21st. So when was it up in its regular time slot against? Oh, I got the answer to that question. Oh, it was oh. still up against Wings. It was still up against Wings oh. from what I saw. It was up yeah. against the repeat of Wings. A repeat of Wings. On January 21st. Oh, my God. It was a Monday night, and they put it after Murphy Brown, thinking it would bump up the ratings. And it did. But it was up against three movies. On ABC, it was The Last to Go. On NBC, it was Line of Fire, the Morris D story. And on Fox, the... Network television premiere of License to Drive. That will do it. Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. People would want to watch that instead. Except for Good Sports and Murphy Brown took the time slot. Well, that's understandable. But I mean, it was getting that sweet Murphy Brown lead in, so why did it 
like decline from there. Oh, hold on. The third episode was January 31st. So let's see what happened on January 31st. They moved 31st. it back to Thursday. Thinking, oh, you know what? We got people watching the show on Monday. Let's move it back to Thursday and see what happens. No. I got rating numbers. So the, for the first week, out of 74 shows, it was 48th. So bottom third. The second week, however, it got a bump. This was Super Bowl week. Maybe there was some special programming or counter-programming going against the Super Bowl. Even though it was Super Bowl twenty five, which we've talked about, we've raved about, that was one of the best Super Bowls ever. Yeah, and that was it on ABC. Actually, it aired on ABC, yeah. It actually ranked 15th in the ratings that week. 15th. Because it was on after Murphy Brown. Well, and they call it a good sports special. I don't know if that was one with back-to-back episodes. No, that was on after Murphy Brown. Okay. Well, they just call it a special. I'm just saying they call it a special. So take it for what it's worth. It's a good sports special, air quotes there. And that was 15th out of 87 shows. But then for week three, as you said, let's move it back to Thursdays. 63rd out of 77. Well, I think the moral of the story here, and this is something that people know, even though this is like the end of the Thursday night run before it became must-see TV, you don't counter-program decent shows against that stuff. Even if it's going up against Wings, Wings, from what I've seen, was generally in the high teens to low to mid-20s. But still, you don't counter-program against that whole block, Cheers, and A Different World, and the Mr. Black show, you don't do that. Or at least you put your crap there. You don't put a really, really good show there. You're going to get buried. Yeah, especially that 8 o'clock half hour where in 1991, you're going to have Mr. Black up against The Simpsons. Nobody survives that half hour. No. And then... Okay, when they brought it back in the summer, when did it air? Okay, it aired during the summer at 10 o'clock, actually 10.30, after Dr. Doctor. Jeez! That doesn't scream, we're burning this crap off. We're burning it at 10.30 at night. Yeah. Oh, Oh, wait, it gets worse. Uh, After two weeks on Mondays, they sent it to Saturday. Saturday at 10.30. Yeah. And after two weeks on Saturday, they sent it back to Monday. How could this have found an audience? I know this is like they're just burning it off, but I mean, why 10.30 at night? When have you ever seen a comedy at 10.30 at night? On a Saturday, even. I mean, just 10.30 at night, but on a Saturday. CBS was on a lot of drugs in 1991. They were like, we no, just wait, have... Wait, no, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. I got an answer. I got an answer to that question. I do. You're talking about who airs a comedy at 10.30 at night? Yes. Let alone on a Saturday? Okay. Well, part of its competition at that time... Was Carol and Company. 
the failed Carol Burnett show from that time. Oh, you know who was on Carol and Company, though, guys? Do you want to take a guess? Carol Burnett? Well, yeah, Carol Burnett, but in the supporting cast. Okay, get ready, guys. Gary Kaiser was in the supporting cast of Carol and Company. Bernie! Oh, Bernie! In that case? Yeah. And we will cover Carol and Company at one point. But yeah. Good sports. This did not stand a chance. It did not. And didn't get an official home video release. Cannot watch it streaming officially. However, you can go to YouTube and stream the entire run unofficially. So good sports then. It had the comedic chops. It had the chemistry. The one thing it did not have was a decent time slot. So, while you're watching Wings, this is becoming a thing on TV. Wow! Remembrances of Love with Wilt Chamberlain. I love women. I've had 20,000 relationships with beautiful, fascinating women in my life. Eight a day since 1959. And all of them were special in their own way. Tonight, I remember Cheryl. Cheryl was number 13,906. Cheryl was so full of life, love, and laughter. Oh, I can still smell her perfume even now. It was 1972, the year the Lakers and I went all the way, a special year all around. say about me I play basketball but tell me more about you yeah well anyway I saw cabaret instead excuse me and that was excellent mm, this is good yeah can you imagine that both people were living in impossible times trying to make the best of an intolerable situation oh I know and how was that Joe Gray <sighs> the whole cast was excellent I was Totally head over heels for Cheryl. Maybe I was feeling a little vulnerable. I was on the rebound from a previous relationship with the girl who was still in the bathroom. But there was no time for analyzing. I've always followed my heart. Cheryl, I don't know how to say it. It's like when we're together, it's just so right. Oh, I feel it too. Like, remember the time when we talked about cabaret? Uh-huh. Yeah. When you said that it was the making the best of an intolerable situation? 
Yeah. You're just so, so wonderful. I got a game tomorrow in Cleveland. I could fly you in, and we could spend half time together. Just you and me. Oh, I don't think so, Will. <laughs> what do you mean? I tried to argue, but deep down inside, I knew Cheryl was right. It just wasn't there anymore. We had drifted apart, and we just couldn't keep faking it. Please remember you, Will. How could I forget you? Come in. Mr. Chamberlain, my brother is a really big fan of yours. Oh, well, please. Come on in. Sit down. I want to hear more about you. I still got some french fries. Feel free. Next week, the heartbreak of number 9,687 on Remembrances of Love with Milk Chamberlain. Episode 346. Submission 828, Superdome. Superdome was a made-for-TV movie that aired on ABC the night of January 9th, 1978. Tonight, a world-premiere motion picture on the ABC Monday Night Movie. They came for the glamour and excitement of Super Bowl week. But it wasn't the only game in town. Enjoy. The other two were love and murder. We got 75,000 people in the dome, and we got a psycho on the loose. David Jansen, Donna Mills, Clifton Davis, Van Johnson, Ken Howard, playing the deadliest game of the year at the Superdome. Well, guys, in 1978, the Louisiana Superdome hosted Super Bowl XII. And this was the showcase for the Louisiana Superdome because it was hosting its first ever Super Bowl. So this was a big deal in the city of New Orleans. And even today, in 2023, the Superdome has been the site 
of some of the most memorable moments in Super Bowl history. In fact, next week we'll be talking about one of those memorable moments in the history of the Superdome for the Super Bowl. But when you see the Louisiana Superdome, which is now the Caesars Superdome, I've seen it in person. I've seen the outside of it because I went to New Orleans once in 2001. It is a magnificent structure. It is a marvel of American engineering. Yes. And this movie was going to show off that marvel of American engineering. That's right. So, okay. We got this team in this movie called the Cougars. They don't say which city the Cougars are from. Like, if you notice it in the movie, there's nothing about where the Cougars are from. They're just the Cougars. So I'm guessing this is like an alternate universe where they just give out team names. They don't even give cities. I don't know. Yeah, the Cougars, they're preparing for the Super Bowl. But meanwhile, we have all these subplots going on during this entire week in the lead up to the big game. Which ironically would be on CBS this year, but go on. We have a star-studded cast in this TV movie. I'm looking at the whoever's top-lining the movie, and it is a big name indeed. Yes. David Jansen playing the role of Mike Shelley. Of course, David Jansen, the fugitive himself. Yeah, and we talked about him all the way back in SOS Titanic. So this is the uh, second time we've talked about him. So yeah, Mike Shelley, he's basically like, I guess he's sort of like what? Like a guy in the front office for the team? He's like some sort of manager for the, the team. GM? Yeah, the probably GM. the GM. Something like that. Playing David Jansen's assistant in the movie, a woman by the name of Joyce. Now guys, I think this is the first time proper in an entry we get to talk about her but ladies and gentlemen the ninth most effable woman in the world Edie Adams now for those of you who don't get this joke Mike can you explain what I mean by the ninth most effable woman in the world yeah so uh, a while ago uh, Gilbert Gottfried he interviewed I'm going to guess is Edie Adams' son? Yes. And it was brought up in the episode that at some point, like 1959, 1960, 61, that Edie Adams was the ninth most effable woman in the world. That's some list if she was number nine. I wonder who one through eight were. I wish I remember where the list came from. I'd see if it's online. I think it might have been a Playboy magazine or something. That sounds like something Playboy would do back in like the late 50s, early 60s. Playing the role of P.K. Jackson. And now P.K. Jackson, she goes like a former player for the Cougars. Former player for the Cougars and perhaps one of the people who is in on this scheme. There's a scheme afoot. Guy by the name of Clifton Davis. Nowadays, you probably know him best as the good Reverend Reuben on Amen. But he played Match Game a lot. Oh, playing a guy named Doug Collins. Not the basketball player, Doug Collins. I just want to be clear. It's not the basketball player. It's Peter Haskell. 
anything about Peter Haskell. Oh, Peter Haskell is definitely a known entity. He was on shows like Rich Man, Poor Man, Book Two. Uh, he, he was on Bracken's World back in the late 60s, early 70s for 41 episodes. Where some people may recognize him from, however, he was on You Don't Say in 1975, and he was on the receiving end of a clue from a contestant that uh, has made the rounds, let's say, on different uh, types of TV shows. Oh. Have you never seen this? No, I've never seen this. I'm going to put it in here. For $1,000, look at this name. It has the honorific name of Ho Chi Minh City, Saigon. Place. Five clues, you want to try it? Yes. Okay. Peter. When I just won this game, I let out some air. He understands. We got it. Peter. I wish you hadn't done that, but uh, continue. Vittorio Gatti. <laughs> it, this is a place, is it not? Yes. It was an expression of release. <laughs> I, I took. We've lost control! Oh, oh my. All right, all right. Oh, okay. still, you're letting out some air. It's a breath. I let I let out a breath of relief. It was not a breath. It was a sigh. This, this is a place. A place. Sigh. 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 Place. Sigh. Shy. Five seconds. Sigh. Sigh. A name. Place. A place. Sigh. All right. Sigh. You have five clues. Four clues remaining. And playing Dave Wecky the long veteran store player for the Cougars, the white shadow himself, Ken Howard. He's playing banged up from what I understand. Yes. It's a game time decision probably for him to go in the Super Bowl, but it should be noted, I mentioned this came out in January of 78. White shadow would be another 10 months before it went on the air on CBS. Yeah. And this was long before his ex was married to Burt Convy that one time. What's that in reference to? It's not easy. Oh, okay. It's not easy. That's a yep. show that needs to be covered one time. Yeah. You know, my reaction was when I found out the title was It's Not Easy. That was the show. What's that? To quote Gene Rayburn. Right. Now playing his long-suffering wife, Nancy, no relation, Susan Howard. Now Susan Howard would uh, best be known for playing Donna Culver Krebs on Dallas from 1979 to 1987. Yeah, so this would have been after Petricelli, but before Dallas did. Correct. And playing uh, Chip Green, I believe he's some sort of advertising executive. Van Johnson. Yeah, Van Johnson was in a lot of movies from like the 40s and the 50s. He was a known entity. 
yeah, he was a known entity, as we like to say on this podcast. He was in a lot of things. And playing the character of Lainey Wiley, who is kind of the love interest for Mike Shelley in this movie, Donna Mills. Yeah, Lainey Wiley would be the Jersey chaser in this film. Oh, yeah. Definitely a rat. Yeah, but of course, this would be way before she moves into Knott's uh, Landing. Yes. Playing the character of Faye Benelli. Oh, Chica. We know this theme oh. very well. Yes, we do. Spock's mama, Jane Wyatt. Yes. Best known for playing Spock's human mother in the original Star Trek movies. Yes. And TV in, series. In the TV series, yes. Well, hold on, hold on. There's one more you guys are forgetting about her, which is even bigger. She was the mother on Father Knows Best. That's right. That's, That's right. right. Yes. I forgot about Father Knows Best. One of the all-time legendary series, Father Knows Best. Playing the store quarterback, Jim McCauley. Oh, yes. The sweet-ass mustache coming in like less than two minutes into the movie. So you know this is going to be great. Magnum P.I. himself, Tom Selleck. You can't tell for one second that they didn't base this character off of... Um, the Joe Willie. Joe Namath. That's what I said, Joe Willie. That's his middle name, silly. Hey. I was today years old when I learned this, okay? Everyone knows it's Joe Willie Namath. Get it straight. I knew who Greg was talking about. Yes. Yes, and you also know who Nipsey Hussle is. You are well, you is... are a you are a learned character, Mike. No, I didn't know who Nipsey Hussle was. That's what he said. He said That's I, the I joke. knew who Nipsey. Oh my gosh. What playing the character of Tony Sakota, who is like one of the um, security guys sent by the league. They don't say it's the NFL in this movie. It's just the league. The league. The league. And he's like, I guess, uncovering this conspiracy, if you may say so. A man who we've talked about many times on this podcast. Michael Pataki. Who, yep. of course, and as I mentioned, was... Ivan Drago's handler in Rocky Ford. But you know what I discovered recently about Michael Pataki? He was in the Trouble with Tribbles episode on Star Trek. But you know who else was in the Trouble with Tribbles, guys? Charlie Brill from Silk Stockings. <laughs> really? Yes. And, amazingly enough, he reprises the same character in Deep Space Nine, because remember, they did a sequel episode to that in Deep Space Nine where they went back in time to the original Trouble Tribbles episode. More trouble, more troubles. Well, that was the animated series, but yeah, it's kind of like a sequel where like Tory Brol goes back in time to cause all this madness. So the Deep Space Nine crew is like, oh no, we gotta go back in time too to stop this. And it works really well in continuity with the original episode if you ever get a chance to see it. Playing Whitley, the trainer for the Cougars. 
I think we've talked about this man on many podcasts in the past, too. M. Emmett Walsh. He was in damn near everything, wasn't he? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, now playing uh, Sonny, who's, uh, I guess, the main squeeze of Mr. Jackson. Yeah. Vanetta McGee, who is just, oh my god, this real big black exploitation actress in the day. But she was also in, let's say, an episode of Starsky and Hutch, an episode of A Man Called Sloan, an episode of The Whiz Kids, and all the episodes of Helltown with Robert Blake as a preacher who means business. Oh, man. Helltown. That was where it was at, baby. You want to talk about theme songs that are a banger? Oh, Helltown. That theme song is a banger. Yeah. Playing Moses Gordine, legendary NFL player, Officer Hightower himself, Bubba Smith. But okay, Mike, say it. I said Bubba Smith. Say what else he's best known for other than playing for the Baltimore Colts and in Police Academy. Go ahead and say it. In one of the best, if not the best, episode of Married with Children ever, he played high school security guard, Spare Tire Dixon. And he had an epic, epic battle with Al Bundy. Awesome episode. One of the best, if not the best, episode of Married with Children. Whenever it reruns, I always got to see it because it is high us. He also played a bookie on an episode of Family Matters. His name was Bones. Bones! You know why they call him Bones? Just look at him. I break him. Did he run his little bookie establishment out of the Boom Boom Room? I don't think Sherman Helmsley was anywhere near the episode. Just asking. Okay. Possible. It's possible. Playing uh, George Beldridge is uh, Ed Nelson. He was on Capitol for a while. Yep, he was also in the TV series of Peyton Place. Playing the role of Scott Henderson. Oh, yes. Another legendary football name. Dick Butkus. I mean, come on. The Chicago Bears. And um, yep. he was in uh, My Two Dads. You can't forget yep. about My Two Dads. And the later seasons of Hangtime, he replaced Reggie Theus's character. That's right, because as we all know, we mentioned Reggie earlier, back in early January, because he was on Just Men. And also, let's never forget, Reggie Theus and a third-round pick were traded from the Sacramento Kings to the Atlanta Hawks, and that third-round pick became Giant Gonzalez. I want the belt. Playing the character of Peter Brooks is uh, Shelly Novak, who was a former wide receiver for the San Diego Chargers. But one of the crazy things is he actually, like, this was like one of his last film roles because he actually passed away of a heart attack in May of 78 at the young age of 34. So I think IMDb notes this is like his next to last role because he was in another TV movie called Love's Dark Ride. And then uh, what's the last role, Chico? 
Uh, last role is Nick Coretta, played by another former NFL player, Les Josephson, who is actually in Heaven Can Wait and The Six Million Dollar Man. Well, that's nice. Hey, one more name I want to add. Playing a sportscaster, and this is a natural role for this person. Oh, yes. Charlie Jones. Yeah, legendary AFL AFC announcer for NBC. And I think he was actually like the original voice of the Kansas City Chiefs back when they played in Dallas as the Dallas Texans. And who knows? Because we're taping this episode like the Friday before the AFC Championship game. So if you're listening to this episode now, maybe the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Who knows? Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs for making it to the Super Bowl. Okay, well, I guess there's nothing left to do, but uh, let's uh, recap this whole thing. Let's cut to the chase, shall we? In five days, this gigantic Superdome will host football's greatest spectacle, the Super Bowl. But what they won't see is everything that goes into making sure this goes off without a hitch. For example, what they won't see is printing presses. Printing presses. This is what all the hot action is before the Super Bowl. Making the printing presses for the They're They're printing tickets. Oh, they're printing tickets. Oh, that's terrific. And because it's the Super Bowl, you know there are going to be ornate tickets. This is exactly what I want to see when I'm starting a big epic movie about the Super Bowl for ABC. Seeing tickets get printed. But, oh my god! That's the ticket? That's the ticket? Yeah, that's the ticket. (laughs) See, I've seen better tickets than this! It's just, okay. It's a white ticket with, like, yellow... It says on top, the World Championship Game. And then it just says, Super Bowl. No number, just Super Bowl. Hold on. I've got to see for myself a picture of the actual ticket for the Super Bowl. Yeah, look up the Super Bowl 12 ticket. Oh, look. There's a guy coming out of an airplane like, I've made it. Yeah. I've made it. I'm here. But no, we just get this Dollar Tree version of a Super Bowl ticket. Now that's the actual ticket for the actual Super Bowl. That ticket, I don't know what. It's just ass. Absolute ass. Yes. Okay, the Cougars get off the plane, and look, there's Bubba Smith. Like, yeah, it's the Super Bowl, baby. Leading a charge of ex-NFL players, actors, and extras. I don't want Einstein out there. I want a bunch of animals. That's what he says. He said, Jesus was a great man, all right? But I don't want him starting at tackle. Okay, but here's Tom Selleck. There's his sweet-ass mustache. We're not even less than two minutes into the movie, and ABC, they knew what we wanted. We wanted Tom Selleck's mustache. Let's give it... We Let's wanted get... him hitting on the first uh, stewardess he could find. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because in two years, he's going to be Thomas Magnum, bitch. 
<laughs> Parties in my suite. Royal Sinesta Hotel, 7 o'clock. Hey, remember when the Royal Sinesta Hotel was a thing? Yes, I do. Nowadays, I think it was bought out by a larger hotel, which was bought out by another larger hotel. And I'm going to yeah. have to take a look at that. Yeah, well, while you're doing that, Dick Buck is talking game strategy with one of the players. And there's Michael Pataki. He's just looking on like, I see what you're doing. There's something sinister afoot. But okay, here's Mr. Shelley. He's getting off the plane. And there's the ninth most deafable woman in the world. And apparently she's asking for 12 seats on the 50-yard line. Huh. 12 seats, huh? 12 seats. Huh. Simple as that, I guess. Chico, you found anything about that hotel? Yes. And apparently it was not bought out. It was it bought out a bunch of other hotels like the Red Lion, the Knightsman, America's Best Value, and Canada's Best Value. But the largest hotels are in Los Angeles, Houston, Chicago, and New Orleans. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. What's Michael Pataki pulling out of here? Oh, a briefcase. This can't be good. No. Oh, yeah. Just what I want to do after I get off the plane in New Orleans. I want to eat at the closest pure restaurant. But, oh, we got an Evercore fork. Oh, and who? Oh, it's Donna Mills. It's Donna Mills, everybody. She's trying to break her car. Oh, why would she be trying to do that? So she can get one of the jerseys to fix it. Oh, oh. This movie looks really dated, just saying. Oh, yeah, definitely does look dated. Her rent-a-car through a rod. Yeah, Donna Mills rent-a-car through a rod. She should have been in New Orleans an hour ago. Oh, David Jansen just office. oh, sit down and have some catfish. Yeah, she is a wily lady. <laughs> she seems to know a lot about his car for somebody who she just met. Yeah, isn't that weird? Oh, she's doing a story behind the scenes of the big game, but her paper doesn't have enough clout to get her a press pass. Oh. Yeah, and if you believe that, <laughs> let's just say I have two tickets to a big-name game in Tulane Stadium to sell you. Because nobody plays at Tulane Stadium anymore except for the Tulane Green Wave. Hey, look, we got this big, like, steamboat. Yeah, steamboat. The Mississippi Queen, they call it. Mississippi Queen! She taught me everything! This has got to be B-roll. Oh, it definitely is B-roll. Because they switch really quickly to the inside of the boat. Which may or may not be projected onto a big screen behind it. Macaulay's the hottest name in sports. He's another O.J. Simpson or Namath. So, hold on a second. That means he's either going to be a murderer, or, I'm sorry, an alleged murderer... Or he's going to be sexually harassing Susie Culver on the sidelines in 25 years. Oh, boy. 
So these agents are going to go after Macaulay. At least I hope they're agents. I think they work for like for an advertising agency or something like that. I don't need somebody to go after Macaulay. I need somebody to get him. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that is Robin Matson, who we did not discuss yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, go Google Robin Matson because I believe she plays the uh, daughter for Van Johnson's character. So go ahead, Chico. Go over her IMDb real quick. Yeah, Robin Matson, known for playing roles in Flipper, Gentle Ben, Daniel Boone but mostly a uh, regular on General Hospital from 1980 to 1983. Okay, so she was on your mama's stories. But this was like peak General Hospital 8083, because that's like Luke and Laura, baby. And if you've never listened to that on the bus episode about Luke and Laura, you got to listen to it, because holy crap, all those plot lines in that period, insane. Just insane. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, more B-roll of the steamboat. By the way, she was on one episode of To Tell the Truth and the New Hollywood Squares. Cool. And a week's worth of episodes of Family Feud. All right. But yeah, the hotel, they're welcoming the cougars, everybody. Yay! Woo, the cougars! We love the cougars from Insert here and of course this would be the royal sedesta as is you know mentioned on the bright red blazer yeah but ken howard he's looking for his wife his wife's not there oh no oh meanwhile oh she's got something in the back there oh yeah don mills got something in the back talking about luggage yeah. Have a good time at the game. So they're just going to drop her off at the French Quarter like that? Yeah, something like that. Just going to drop her off in the middle of the French Quarter. In front of the Royal Sinesta? In front of the Royal Sinesta, yes. Are there any messages for Laney Wiley? Well, as a matter of fact, there are. Oh. Hey, I'm Pete Brooks. Here's a flower, babe. What's your name? You've been selected as social director for the Cougars. What? This is how it works? You just randomly get a job from, like, someone you just beat? Well, it's 1978, so. Well, look, it's Clifton Davis driving this sweet car. What a Rolls Royce, baby! A Rolls Royce! Oh, well, of course it's not. It looks like a Rolls Royce. Obviously, they're not going to put a Rolls Royce on this show. Oh, yeah. because It just probably... looks like one. Yeah, because ABC only has so much money they can spend. I'm P.K. Jackson, and this is my lady. That's P.K. Jackson. That's the best wide receiver the Cougars ever had. He was an all-pro four years straight. Don't look like he's doing too bad now, either. Oh, look, so... he's got the presidential suite of this hotel. Ritzy. Oh my goodness, this is an awesome... Hold on a second, time out. Is it just me or is the guy next to him look like Bill Bohr? It ain't just you. Good. Now I see it. So he's about to wreck the presidential suite with his oh. friends. With his friend. Wink, but he wink. says he's rented Brennan's for the evening. 
So he's not going to wreck the presidential suite. He's going to wreck Brennan's. Cool. Meanwhile, his old lady's just in the background looking. And she is not looking anymore. See, so that sweet love for later, we got work to do. It's all on the line. We came down here to do a job. If we don't get it done, we're dead. Hey, look, there's more New Orleans B-roll of the night sky. And there's that suitcase again. It, yeah. Oh, it only has clothes. And a gun. And a gun. A gun. A gun! Oh, no. What the hell is Michael Pataki planning? And he's spying on this party that the cougars are having. And he has his eyes on Donna Mills. Like, I'm watching you, Donna Mills. Pervert. Now he's spying on Tom Selleck and that lady. Ooh. 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 He's getting the first class treatment, it looks like. Oh, yeah. And we go to commercial break. But we don't have commercial breaks. We're just back here. We got this shot of the Superdome. Four days to the Super Bowl. That is an impressive interior. Oh, yeah. I wonder if they actually shot this in the Superdome. I don't know. I want to discuss this with Mike alone. Oh, what are they going to discuss, Chico? I don't know. But I bet you somebody's going to wind up dead because of this. Oh, no, she's selling the team. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Doug Collins has an offer from Atlanta, and she's going to take it. By the way, that is Faye Pinelli, played by Jane Wyatt. Yes, as I mentioned earlier. He won the team in a poker game. Only in New Orleans. Only in New Orleans. Won't be missing Victor anymore. Rules state that in the minority stockholders have first refusal to buy shares. It's my heart, Mike. It always did give me trouble, one way or the other. Victor had one dream to bring this team to a championship game. So all she wants David yeah. Jansen to do is give him glory one more time. Yeah, just one more chance. This is the big game. Yeah, just win it. Okay, we got these shots inside the Super Bowl. And by the way, should I mention, is it just me, or do the Cougars uniforms look like an if-they-mated version of the Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings uniforms? I was getting a Los Angeles Lakers vibe myself. Well, I'm just saying, because you got the uh, yellow Packers helmet, and you got the Vikings-style uniforms right there. You do. Oh, by the way, Macaulay wants to go in the Whirlpool. That's important for later. That's totally setting up something later. Meanwhile, Dave Wolecki is hobbling around on that bum knee of his, hoping his wife is going to be here. Because as we all know, his wife is just not returning his calls or whatever. He's asking M.M. Walsh, hey, what do you got? I just need, like, something. Do you have any pills? Maybe you ought to get a cortisone shot or something. Okay. 
Right now, he'll take pretty much anything. He'll take pretty much anything to play in this one game. Meanwhile, oh man, me not like him look. Him look shifty. You look shifty. What's he trying to pull here? Oh, he's going to, I think he's going to tap the phone. Ah. Yeah, because this is, I think, the days when they still had, like, um, the operators. operators. And, yeah. Operators and stuff. My name is Ken McGuire. A friend of mine gave me your number. I just thought maybe we could, you know, have dinner or uh, take you out to. Well, not that important. Oh, well, not that. Uh, I don't want to know that. And, okay, so PK's got a man on the inside. What is your angle, Clifton Davis? What is your deal, Clifton Davis? What is your damage, Clifton Davis? Well, who was that? Oh, some guy from New York. It's always some guy from New York, isn't it? Yeah. They wanted me to look. They got 10 million riding on the Rangers, who's the opponent in the Super Bowl. So we so, have the Rangers versus the Cougars. Yes. So I presume the Rangers are not from either Texas or New York. Safe to say it's not either one of those rangers. Oh, that's how I pay for you. What? What? So she's not his. I mean, she's his. Concubine? Something like that. Four days till Super Bowl in New Orleans is like a time bomb about to go off. As the countdown to kick off the years, this town will swell to its limits, its famous southern charm buried under acres of rabid fans. Close to half a million people will descend on this lovely Delta city, pouring in from all over the world. Walls of people will spill out of terminals and crowd into streets. Uncountable millions of dollars will be spent, wagered, and wasted. This is life in the fast lane. Throw out your clocks. Forget about routine. The game may be four days off, but the party has started. Fans may have come to watch a game, but most of these people have come to play a game of their own. The rush has just started, but from here on, watch out. Super Week will become a carnival. A frenzied festival which will make Mardi Gras look like a high school homecoming. Uh, oh, it's that guy. Okay. Yeah, it's Char it's Charlie Jones there making an appearance on camera. There you go. Okay, the spread Cougars by four and a half, and this guy he doesn't understand how the point spread works. Oh boy! All right, give me two hundred dollars on the Cougars by four. He's taking the Cougars and the points for two hundred. Yeah. This is where all the action's going in this one little bar here in New Orleans. Nothing means more than money. Nothing in means more than money. Put 50 bucks on the Cougars. Don't OD on the gumbo. You'll come out of New Orleans a winner. He knows something. Something's going on here. Like two pavilion tickets? Tickets? I don't even have a room. I've been sleeping in the bar for the last three nights. Oh. Here's Dave's wife. Just all alone in the hotel room smoking a cigarette. She looks like she came out of the 70s. Oh, yeah. You're not going to believe this, but she's pissed at her husband. Knee's fine. Don't worry about the knee. They've been giving yeah. me some treatment for it. 
I'm guessing she doesn't care about the Super Bowl. No, what would give you that idea? Oh, she's been smoking. She went to see a doctor, so she's not pregnant. Oh, that's good. Oh, it's a psychologist. That kind oh, of okay, a psychologist. Who asks a doctor if they're attractive? I don't know. It was the late 70s. Yeah, free love era. Speaking of which, when is she going to get some free love? Hmm? Yeah, she wants action. She's like very angry at Ken Howard. Like, all you care about is football. That's all you care about. This sounds familiar. Oh, yeah, this sounds familiar, all right. You know where I'm going with this, right? I know where you're going with this. You shoot yourself full of drugs so you can keep playing the game, and I go and pay some stranger money to tell me that I'm attractive. Oh. Good night, everybody. Good night. Oh, he loves her. Then why are we losing each other? Oh. I'm trying to chase the championship. Yeah. It should be all, like, roses. Like, oh, he's in the Super Bowl, but... No, his marriage is going to crap. Oh, awkward. The entire team's now in the room. Uh, yeah. We're all going down to Bourbon Street. I told him I'd show some of the good spots. Want to come with? What would make her think that she'd want to go this? Why? 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 Why would she be remotely interested in this? This is why your wife left you for Burt Convy. You are one hard lady to get rid of. Oh, yeah. Donna Mills, she's back to torture David Jansen here. And the, oh, oh yes, not who, this guy again. Not Michael Pataki. He's like spying on everybody. Isn't he supposed to be the guy in charge of security? That's right. He is supposed to be in charge of security for the league. Well, we don't know that yet. But that's what his role is, basically. We find that out later. She's going to read his poem. She knows all. She sees all. She's totally BSing you. Yes. When has palm reading ever been, like, legitimate? Never. When it's done by an actual palmist instead of an opportunist. He talks too much, he thinks too much, and he doesn't know how to enjoy what's right in front of him. Well, what do you think he should do? Ooh! Well, based on that response, you know what the answer is. Wizards ought to be out. The wizards ought to break. If it feels good, baby, do it. You know the words. Why don't you let me show you the ways? Remember, this is prime time on network television, so oh. nothing's gonna happen. Yeah, this is the Sunday night movie, so kids, don't worry. They're not gonna go that far. Here, keep the change. Speaking of which... Oh yeah, Tom Selke's just gotten done with a night of lovemaking. But oh, wait, Michael Pataki is watching... So wait a minute, hold on a second. Does this mean that Michael Pataki is a cuck? Oh, oh god. 
Maybe? Oh, God, Greg. He totally Maybe. is. Maybe. Look, look at him. Mike, is he totally a cuck? That's Will Forte. Michael Pataki plays Will Forte in Superdome, the movie. <laughs> okay, Tom Selleck, his lover, getting out of the uh, hotel room. This can't end well. This is not going to end well. Security! Oh no, here comes the rest of the team. Uh, uh, and the guy's uh, wife. Yeah, gotta go out. Oh, back to my room. Gotta go into the stairwell. Some, nothing will happen in this stairwell. I guarantee you nothing's gonna happen in this stairwell. Oh gosh. It's... Now she's gonna go into the stairwell. Where's the rest of the team gonna go, though? I don't know. And Michael Pataki's like, oh, God, why? What? And then, oh, look! Wait. Oh! <gasps> oh! I've been shot! Oh. He's dead! He fell down the stairs and now he's dead. Oh. All right, so we have a murder. You got a witness. She didn't get a good look at the killer. And didn't get a good look at the face. So when she saw the gun, she ran. And then she saw. Eh, that's alright. Take the lady back to her hotel. He's trying to keep this on the down low. Yeah, they, the league, they want to keep this on the down low. So their security guy, like, they don't want anyone to know, like, the security guy, like, so, He's trying to defend what passes for the shield in this movie. Yeah, but we don't call it the shield in this movie because they never say what the league is, even though it is presumed it's the NFL. And they can get away with saying Super Bowl because this is the time where the NFL's like, yeah, we're not going to go after everybody who says Super Bowl. Three days to Super Bowl. There's the Cougars are out partying and everything. So Mr. Green says to his daughter, ah, I'm not going to be working for that agency anymore. Mr. Beldridge doesn't want me with that company. Go over a million in bookings, your family lose a few, and well, you know the rest. Uh-huh. But her daughter's like, you're one of the best account salesmen in this business. Yeah, but that was last year, and yeah, last year, that's it. Beldridge told me to get Macaulay's account, or else. Well, can't you talk to Macaulay? No, I can't get anywhere near him. There's a party at Brennan's on Friday night, though. And he's supposed to be there. And I tried to get an invitation, but... Eh, whatever. Yeah. I'm in such a piss-poor mood. I'll figure something out. Don't worry. He's not gonna figure anything out, is he? No, probably not. But she's staring out into the pool. It looks like such a fun pool party. That looks like a very entertaining pool party. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, someone's got a gun out. And something else. All right, so... Uh, Gail Green, she's going to go out to this pool party. She's like, I'll join in on this pool party. Hey, Gorgeous, let me help you with that. And I hear there's a party Friday night. Maybe you can get me inside? Yeah. Try to get, try to get her dad inside. Yeah. Okay, here we are back with Clifton Davis. 
and his uh, old woman. Yeah. And he just heard some news. He was working undercover for league security. That drunk guy. You think they're onto something? Maybe. Remember, he still has his man on the inside. Yes. Nancy will like you to the courtesy phone. Yeah, this is how they used to do it back in the day before cell phones. And he can't make it. He can't make it. Ken Howard can't make it there because Coach has some new plays. Yeah, Coach has some new plays. New plays. That's what Nancy's like. Ugh. Yeah, I, I know just this gave is... up my life. Come yeah, on, I man. know. Yeah. We'll be together after the game. It'll be good, Nance. Sure. Click. There's going to be a fashion show for the players' wives in 30 minutes in the East Room. Hey, is she going to be in that fashion show? Then the parallels will be absolutely gigantic. And we're back with uh, Lady Wiley or Wiley Lady or. <laughs> My sad ma'am. Is that why I am? A sad man? Look, I've been on the run for three years trying to chase a one-armed man. What else do you want from me? Put aside your middle-class morality and pay attention to me. God, do you two just get a room already? Repeat after me. If it feels good... Oh yeah, I know. Do it. Can't just go through life following the signs. No trespassing. Keep off the grass. Look, we're trespassing. We're on the grass. We're drinking wine on the grass where we're not supposed to be at. Just feel. Touch. No right. No wrong. If it feels Ooh. good, do it. And, and, and they're going to do it. Now they're, they're going to do it. They're going to do it right here. And do it. And do it. But they're not going to show it because this is Sunday night on ABC in 1978. Correction, this is the Monday night movie on ABC. Not the Sunday night movie. Just thought I'd point it out. But they are going to show what goes down on Bourbon Street on Sunday night. Technically Thursday night. Oh yeah, because it's three days till the Super Bowl. And this all looks like a rockin' good time. And it looks like they are still going at it. Ooh, Snake Charmer. And uh-oh. 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 Does this look like the stewardess who witnessed the first murder? I believe so. She's gonna die. Yes. Yeah, she dead. Yep. Pillow smothered dead. Smothered by a pillow. And took the rest of her clothes, you pervert. Ew. You guys sound like you've never seen, like, forensic files or anything like that, where any criminal gets a trophy from their crime. That's what that is. It's a trophy. It's a trophy. Yeah. Well, so far, this is more real than any episode of CSI I've ever seen. Yeah. So now we're two days to the Super Bowl, and up oh, there's another murder. I didn't kill her! Really? Two days before the Super Bowl, another murder. 
and both uh, of those people are connected to the team. Huh. Hey, can I get some reds and greens? Some pennies, some uppers, maybe some pez if you got some. I'll give you two for today and two for tonight, alright? Hello? Look, I, I, I'm not gonna be able to do it. I gotta find some other way to pay it back. Emmett Walsh is like, yeah, I'll, I'll be there, sure. Is he the man on the inside? I don't know. Oh, Nancy's calling. Is Dave there? Where'd he go? Probably to practice some more. Yeah, probably to practice, because all he cares about is the big game. That's all he cares about. And Nancy, she just wants a taxi. Where are we going? I don't know. It's New Orleans. You can do anything in New Orleans. True. She just wants to ride around. Find a nice place for a drink. About the St. Charles Inn. Garden okay. District. Okay. That works. And now, oh, man, that stewardess, her death, that's all in the news. It's like the biggest story in New Orleans right now. And meanwhile, here's Nancy getting a drink. Ramos Gin Fizzes all on her own. Yeah. Meanwhile, PK's worried about 5000 Yeah. Those gamblers, they want all that money. P.K. Jackson, the dude who could move, had really dug where he was in. Mr. Elegance. And remember, this is a guy who used to be on the team. Yes, he's not even playing on the team anymore. He used to be on the team. He's playing a game of his own, that's for sure. You know something, Sonny? The worst part of it is... They own me. Oh, is this a Bobby Benigna sort of situation? Okay, I'm just going to say it right now. Deferred money happens with every team. Every time this podcast makes a Bobby Benigna joke, I have to make a disclaimer. Every team has a deferred money deal with somebody. Somebody has a deferred money deal with Clifton Davis, obviously. Yes. Let's not pretend deferred money started with the Mets and Bobby Bonilla in 1999. Which, by the way, if it wasn't for that deal, the Mets would have won pennants in 2000 and 2015 because they used that money to get Mike Hampton, which in turn led to David Wright when he signed with the Rockies. Just saying. I'm just going to leave him a little sick and messed up. But they got me turning on his, all my friends. I hope I, he hopes nothing goes wrong. He, he thinks nothing's going to go wrong. Nothing's going to go wrong. No. You know what it's not going to go wrong for, I bet? M.M. at Walsh. This can't be good. He's walking on the street by himself. He's walking into a, an alleyway by himself. By himself in New Orleans. Nothing ever uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. And he's dead. Don't even see a pool of blood. What? Oh, oh, hold up. Hold up, 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 hold up. Yeah. Who the hell is that? Oh, you know who that is, Chico. It's Donna Mills. She's in on it. She's in on all of it. She's in on all of it. What a shocker. I did not see this coming. 
36 hours until the Super Bowl. Yeah, we're near 36 hours to the Super Bowl. So this would be Saturday at about 6 a.m. Something like that. Eastern time. Yes. But before we get to that, though, we got to listen to these 1978 to 1979 appropriate commercial messages. Yes. But stay tuned because kickoff is coming. It's coming. Superdome, starring David Jansen, Jane Wyatt, Donna Mills, Clifton Davis, Van Johnson, and Edie Adams, continues in a moment. This is ABC. Your favorite comedy team moves to Monday. The Vern and Shirley hit the sidewalks of New York for a one-hour special of fun, games, and surprises. Fastest gun, an expert samurai, the master gunfighter. And welcome the 80s on New Year's Rockin' Eve with the village people, Blondie, Sheep, the Oak Ridge Mountain Boys, and Barry Manilow. Friday, get ready for a hot new breed of cops. They ain't like ordinary cops. Both Steve, Nick, and Sam, you'll never believe they're the good guys. They're such bad cats. Jonathan and Jennifer get busted south of the border trying to help a friend on Heart to Heart. We return now to David Jensen in Superdome. Welcome back. Okay, now let's get to what's going on 36 hours of Super Bowl. The Madison City, it's at a fever pitch. There's booze is blowing like water. There's not an empty room. Fans are roaming the streets. Bourbon Street is a river of people. This is a town known for a good time. But they've never seen anything like this. No, they haven't. Meanwhile, <laughs> I don't know if they're about to or they just finished and this is a nightcap, but. Oh, yeah. Donna Mills and David Jansen. They did it. Answer the phone. God. Hold my drinks. Yeah. What is Edie Adams telling David Jansen? No, he'll be uh, there as soon as he can. He's got an emergency. Killed our traitor with a 32. Do the police have any leads? Nope. No motives? No leads? Yeah, they'll catch him. They'll catch him. <laughs> catch him. Because they're not going to expect it was a woman. And Nancy is back at the hotel after doing some day drinking. Day drinking. Why don't we do a little day drinking? 
And Dave, he's been at the hotel from four to midnight. He's been in the same room for eight hours. And she's like, I haven't been to a bar for four to midnight. I met a man. He bought me drinks. I went to a hotel room. What do you think we did? Talk football. We went to bed together. We made love. That's right. I have him. I had sex. And yeah, they slap each other. But after it was over, she felt like she was all alone. Oh, well. It's like, what is our marriage coming to? They're growing apart, and it looks like she's about to move on with her life. You can take everything they dish out to you, everything but the truth. And maybe that's what it takes to be champions of the world. Well, I really wish you a lot of luck at the Super Bowl. And then look at it. Look at that lamp that Ken Howard What did that lamp ever do to you? What did that lamp ever do to you, White Shadow? Oh, yeah. Huh? Meanwhile, Donna Mills, she's planning some nefarious Oh, she's trying to stash the evidence. Yeah, she's trying to hide the evidence. More drinking. More drinking with the team. He's out running the town. Don't worry about him. He's the best blind man we got. He's been keeping everybody off Macaulay all year. Well, just give you a minute or two. Okay. She's about to kill somebody. Well, not just kill somebody. She's going to plant some evidence. Look at that. She's pl- She's got the thing and that's... Uh, oh, my God. Oh, wow. She's going to put in that dresser. I haven't slept in a bed in six nights. Oh, yeah, the bookies are taking all this action. What's the line now? Down half a point. People now think the Rangers are going to win. Give me another hundred bucks on the Cougars. Sure, why not? Horse-drawn carriage, anyone? Oh, PK's back with the team, although he's not playing. Remember, he was kicked off. And he's got the stuff. Just don't mix it with booze. So I'm guessing he's talking about quaaludes or something. Something like that. The secretary again. Oh yeah, Edie Adams got some news. Scott Henderson has been arrested for murder. For the stewardess. The league's not gonna like this. Big Buckus is like, I don't have a roommate. Okay, someone must have planted it there. It's like, Mike, you believe me, don't you? What am I gonna do? I'll David think of something. Yeah, David Jansen's like, I'm going to think of something. Oh, yeah, and here's the best part. Worst comes to worst, I'll trade you to Tampa, and they'll never hear from you again. <laughs> because now I got to explain this. Yeah, yes, 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 you do. Because if I'm not mistaken, Tampa would have just been an expansion team by now. And not only that, but they were the worst team in the NFL. I think it was something like they didn't win their first game until, like, Week 13 of their second season. That's terrible. That is terrible. But the famous quote, I think, is uh, I think it was John McKay, their head coach, was, Do you support the execution of your team? And he said famously, I'm all for it. <laughs> but the funny thing is, the next year in 1979 or 80, they would actually go the Buccaneers to the NFC Championship game. Which I think was like one of the biggest, like, remarkable turnarounds in the history of the NFL. 
As their two 1977 victories have been in the last two games of the season, they entered the 1978 season with the longest active winning streak in the NFC Central. Oh, the Buccaneers, yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, let's get back to the movie. This is supposed to be a party. Yeah, a party. Don't mix the stuff with your drink. Oh, hi, Tom Selleck. Yeah, Gail's trying to get that uh, marketing deal for her daddy. Well, if you give her a couple mints more of a food, she'll look like a nice lady. Oh, she's got the stuff. She's got the stuff. So this is all PK's party. Yeah, this is PK's big party for the team. That explains it. Yeah. A message from New York. Uh-oh. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hey, that stuff will kill you. Here, try this. Oh, no. I I take care of business. Are you trying to tell me that you killed those three people? That's right. I don't believe it. Why not? Because I'm a woman? Come a long way, baby. In a lot of ways. You're kind of old-fashioned, PK, but I like you. So you better make sure you take care of Macaulay. Have a lovely party. And, oh no. She drank the drink that was meant for Macaulay. Oh, and as yes. a result... Yeah, by accident, now she's all woozy and stuff. She wishes she was woozy. Alright, uh, this is not gonna end well. No, it's not gonna end well, Chico. Hello? Well, I'll have to talk about the contract. No more booze for the night. Oh, oh, no. I shouldn't be watching this. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I know exactly what's about to happen. I should not be watching this. No. Well, All right, the, just... the good news is she's not going to die. Good. The bad news is, okay, she is going to die. Kind of, sort of. No. She's not going to die. Yeah, she's just knocked out from the, uh, from the, uh, from the stuff. From the stuff, yeah. Yeah. So here we are, 24 hours till kickoff, and she's brought into the hospital. Yes. And Mr. Grady wants to see his daughter in the uh, hospital. And I guess they're going to talk turkey in the ER. And he's like, what did you do to her? What did you do to my daughter, Tom Selleck? Nothing. And apparently, uh, I don't know if he's about to have a stroke or something, or having a psychotic episode or something. You know, his daughter's admitted to the ER. How would you react? I'd want to kill somebody. That's what I want to do. Jason P.K. blew it. I know it's at stake. I know there are only 24 hours to the game. I'm going to have to take care of Macaulay my own way. Oh, Nancy, she's going to be boarding a plane. Oh, she, call... she doesn't want to be anywhere near this now. But, oh, God, this is turning into a rom-com now. Yeah, now Dave's like, I'm scared. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. What are you scared of? Is it the game? No, he's dreamt about the game his whole life. He could make a million bucks, but he's scared about what happens when the game's over. There's no more seasons for him after this. 
So it's like, what was this all for? It wasn't a kid's game. What happens tomorrow if I'm not number 25 for the Cougars? Who am I? Oh, Dave. Also oh, that... Dave! Hold also... me! You are Dave Walecki. A man. A man! He is you a man! You are my husband! Oh, that's great. I don't great. care what you do for a living. You will always be my hero. Oh, this is so sweet. Oh, hold me! Now let go before this gets weird. Take me home. Yeah, you don't need this. One of my ball players is in jail. There's a killer running around New Orleans. And Scott Harrison, he's not guilty, but tomorrow we got 75,000 people in the dome. A psycho's on the loose. Come on, you're the president of the league. You got the best security force in the country, and you can't do anything about this. Bribes, fixes, mad bombers. It always turns out to be bum steers. Tony, well, got a little carried away. Put some wiretaps without checking without a federal officer. Tips on a number of people. So where are the tapes? Those tapes are unauthorized. It's not illegal to listen. It might prevent another killing. So they got to go to headquarters. Yeah. And coincidentally, it's downstairs. So they were listening to, like, all the security tapes that Michael Pataki recorded. Well, you know what he had for lunch. Oh, there's 10 million writing in this game, PK. 10 million, he's got a man on the inside. So David Jansen's like, can I call Miss, uh... Miss Wiley? Yeah, she's gone. Oh, no. And the door's open. Oh, hey, Mike. Security bugged your phone. Want to tell me why? Remember the team, one of the guys is a friend of mine. Tell me why. What can I say? What can you say? I'm sorry, Fuck. man. He's not running anymore. What does Lady have to do with this? Oh, she's running for the guys in New York, and she killed those people. Where is she now? She gave me a call after the party. She's a little sore because I messed things up. She's got to fix it herself. She's got to see that those cougars lose. Oh, look. She's dressed as a tool man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got some against females. The Cougars! The it's, Cougars! It no says city, right... no state, no region, just the Cougars. Could you imagine if, <laughs> during the Super Bowl this year, if it had on the locker room, and I'm covering my ass for either case here, if it said the Eagles... If it said the 49ers, could you imagine how stupid that would look? That would look absolutely bonkers. I mean, imagine you look at the other side and it goes the Chiefs. You look at the other side and it goes the Bengals. Yeah, very embarrassing. Quite embarrassing. Hey, I remember you were talking about the Whirlpool, Greg. That's right, because uh, Tom Selleck was talking about the Whirlpool. Well, yeah. guess what? Here it is! Danger. High voltage. Oh, no, I know what's going to happen. She's going to rig the Whirlpool, so when Tom Selleck goes into the Whirlpool, he's going to get electrocuted. He's in for quite a shock. Oh, no. Don't turn that water on, boys. No. Right, okay. time to board the bus. Time to go to the Superdome. Yeah, we're four, four hours, hours to kick off. 
four hours to kick off, and everyone at the hotel's like, yeah, cougars. Well, Mr. Green, she tends to his daughter. How does she feel? Oh, not too good. Gail, why'd you go to the party? He wanted the contract and thought he'd talk to Macaulay. Eh, she's sorry. Oh. Oh. And look at this crowd. Everyone's like, yeah, cougars. We love the cougars. From insert city here. The Rangers can suck it. Well, now we're inside the Superdome. Look at this crowd right All here. All the way with Jim McCauley. This is a sellout crowd. Except not really, because there are some empty seats, obviously. There are some obviously empty seats. This was obviously for the days of CGI, where you could, like, insert everybody in. Like, with video game graphics and such. But hey, it's the Rangers cheerleaders. They're America's sweethearts, you know. Yes. And now we're going to rip off the plot of Two Minute Warning. Down the middle, she's going to go in the elevator. There she is! Run! Run! She's going up! Hey, McCall, are you going to use the whirlpool? Yeah, maybe later. Now we got an epic chase here. We're near the end of this movie. So it's like, uh, we got these nice He's interiors. chasing him in a car. Oh, yeah. She Dave is running. <laughs> She's running, and David Jansen's chasing her in a golf cart. Seal off all the exits. Seal off all the exits inside the Superdome. This is an epic chase right here. I love that these cheerleaders right here are doing jump rope. All right, lady. I believe you. You're a very convincing lady. You've killed three people. Now you're going to have to kill me. Why did you come here? She just attempted murder some guy. Yeah, some random guy. Okay, now we're getting up on the catwalks here at the Superdome. She's not going to jump, is she? Don't jump! No, don't do that, Donna Mills. Don't jump. Those lights are indeed bright. Oh yeah, the Superdome lights are very bright. Well, speaking of the lights on the Superdome, at least we can know for sure the lights on the Superdome are never going to go out. Not going to happen. Not going to happen during the big game. That would never happen. Meanwhile, she's propping the door closed. It's like, what in the world is she trying to pull here? Oh, 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 that's, that's dangerous, man. You shouldn't oh, be, that's, man, uh, man, your, man, your age shouldn't be doing this. I don't care yeah. if you did escape the one-armed man. Yeah, you shouldn't be doing this, David Jansen. Okay, thankfully he survived. He got back up. Oh, good. That's good. That's good. That's good. He can climb the trellises now. Don't do it. It's not worth it. No, seriously. Whatever you're trying to... Oh. 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 She's, she's got... Get... Oh, man. She's got the vertigo, man. She's got the vertigo. On that Superdome catwalk. It's over. Yeah. Help me get down from here, please. Tell me why you came to the dome, lady. Tell me why you came to the dome! 
I ran to the whirlpool to get Macaulay. Help me. Give me your hand. Right there. Give me the other one. Here. You take it from here. I'm getting too old for this stuff. See if you can get the locker room on the radio. They're trying to electrocute Macaulay. Nice BBDs, Tom. Jim, help me with his pants. Okay. What's this? A Christian be helped by a heathen? Ah, be good for some extra points. Okay, meanwhile, we got to chase. David Jansen's got to get to the locker room in time before Tom Sully gets into the whirlpool. It's like, Tom, get away from the whirlpool! Oh! Don't, don't, what the what? What? Oh. That would have been a disaster. Yeah, he never would have made it to Hawaii after that. Now will you please rise for the national anthem? But before we do, yeah, guys, like to Mr. Green, I'm sorry about Gail. Thank God she's all right. I got some people that you need to meet. McCoy's agent says, you're ready to go. Give him the word. This man is the B-E-S-T best. I bet you didn't think I could. I knew you had a, I knew I had to light a little fire under you. Press all the right buttons, get you to sweat a little bit, run scared. But damn it, I knew you'd come through. Just like I knew you would. You creep. What? My daughter nearly killed herself to get that stupid account. Okay, yeah, but you're upset. But everything worked out, right? All you have to do is call Macaulay and Bing. You got a bonus. Come. No, I got my bonus. My daughter. She's worth a hundred of you. And you know something, George. So am I. Have fun. I hear it's going to be a hell of a game. Bravo, Mr. Green. That was good job. Good job. Good job. Hey, Mike, I got some good news. Scott Henderson's been released from jail. He's going to be suited up for the game. Police made a deal with PK. He's going to turn in state's evidence. Oh, that's great. Sorry about um, your girl, Mike. Oh, yeah. He's sorry, too. Decide the team over to the new owners this morning. I'm going to be president. I'd like you to stay around and stay on as general manager. He worked for the Benellis for 15 years, but he doesn't think he can make the switch. So, Mike, he's just going to go home. To, to do, do what? what? Yeah, he's going to fish a little. He's going to figure out what to do with the rest of his life. I know, like, I know what you're going to be doing. You're going to be running the Cougars. Yeah. Mike, I need you. These new owners, they're corporation lawyers. What do they know about football, huh? Show them an all-pro quarterback and what they see as a capital asset that's reachable over the next 10 years. Do you want your football team to be run by a brewery conglomerate? I don't know. It works for the Colorado Rockies. I'm supposed to be a human computer dreaming up dollar signs. In 10 minutes, this football game's going to start. I'm going to be just like every 10-year-old little kid hoping his team wins. Yeah, so let's go see a ball game. And they're announcing everybody on the Cougars, and they're like, yeah! This was back when they announced everybody on the teams. Yeah, before the New England football team ruined it. Everyone comes out as a team. My ass. The best part about watching the Super Bowl as a kid was seeing the players get their own intros. Meanwhile, this guy. Oh, yeah, Dave. Yeah, he's looking for his wife. Because after the game, man, he's going to get that action. 
Heavy action. <laughs> and we're not talking about Monday Night Football. There's Doug again. There's Doug and Mike. They're just going to walk over to the uh, owner's box. They're just going to sit around. They're going to watch a nice game of football with uh, Gene Wyatt. And now, ladies and gentlemen, would you stand for the national anthem? Okay, I'm standing. I'm also standing. There's nothing like it, the Super Bowl. Three hours from now, the game will be history, but the lives of the players and fans alike will never be quite the same. Well, that's a mouthful, Charlie. Huh. Well, that's the movie. That's the movie. We don't find out if they win the Super Bowl or not, but that's not what matters. All that matters is nobody else died. That's good. Huh, so what did the trades have to say about Superdome when it aired in 1978? I imagine they weren't kind. Probably not. I can't find any actual uh, trade reviews about it. But okay. I have to. Uh, but I have to say, if they made this into an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000, it couldn't have been any good. Oh yeah, that's right, because it was in the KTMA season of Mystery Science Theater 3000 in 1989, which, as MST3K fans refer to as season zero. And I should note that in March of 2020, or favorite people at Kino Orber released Superdome on DVD and Blu-ray and it was remastered in 2K and there's actually an audio commentary track from the director of this movie, Jerry Jameson, along with film historians Howard S. Berger and Steve Mitchell. So if you want to check that out, you can go over to the Kino Orber website or you can order it on Amazon, of course. So, yeah. That's Superdome. So, yeah, a star-studded epic movie in 1978. And right before Super Bowl twelve on ABC, this was a thing on TV. Even though the Super Bowl was on CBS. And ABC wouldn't get a Super Bowl for another seven years. Well, you can find more about the 345 episodes previous to this on ItWasAThingOnTV.com where we got live shows, director's cuts, minisodes, the works. And also, don't forget, we're on YouTube where you can ring the bell to stay up to date on all future episodes. And of course, you can always go to our socials. We're at ItWasAThingOnTV on all platforms except for Facebook where those underground New York gamblers, they took It Was a Thing on TV from us on Facebook. So we had to take It Was a Thing on TV podcast. Yeah. And also remember on all podcast outlets, remember to rate and review and give us five stars. But next week, hey, we're going to take another visit to the Superdome because... We're going to see an epic Super Bowl from 10 years ago. 
that we're going to revisit. And we had the battle of the two Hallball brothers in New Orleans in 2013. But also, we had some shenanigans. Did Donna Mills return to the Superdome to enact her revenge? Maybe, who knows? We did refer to this earlier this episode, if you're paying attention. That's right. And after that, we're going to start Valentine's Day a little bit early. Yeah. As we learn the art of meeting men. Men? Yes. Oh, this is for the ladies. This is for the ladies. Okay, this isn't for us. This is for the ladies. So, ladies, I'm not going to be here because I'm going on vacation, but hopefully you'll listen and learn a thing or two because this tape is all for y'all. Yeah. And it's coming up next week right here on your podcast. It was a thing on TV. Well, hey, ladies. <laughs> You'll learn about how to pick up men. You got three studs right here. You got Chico, you got Greg, you got big old Mike, big daddy over here. Uh, Just any of us at any time you want, baby. Nice Bing Crosby Valencia oranges impression. Hey, boy, watch your mouth. I'm going to slap you with this bag of Valencia oranges. Hey. Like I said, hey, ladies, you got three single guys right here that you can pick up any time. You got Big Papa Klausy, you got Chico, you got Greg. You like white guys? You like non-white guys? You like guys with two legs? You like a guy with one leg? We got a variety here for you, baby. <laughs> oh, God, why'd you have to do that? I'm, I'm going to end this before it gets super awkward. Yeah. And I'll just oh, say, it's already super awkward. Thank you very much for listening. And remember to please be kind to Hey, Greg, launch a roar sound, Big Daddy. Wow! Hey, 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 baby. I'm going to roar you out. Rawr. On the next episode of It Was a Thing on TV. A fumble recovery and now a sack for Jones and a loss of six. Good no throw, though, by Colin Kaepernick. He is going to throw this down the middle to Vernon Davis. Watch, but look at the safety is anticipating.